All right, welcome back. Welcome back to Noob School. Today I've got my good friend Mike Thacker here. Welcome, Mike. Good afternoon, John Sterling. Good afternoon. Good, good, good. Um, <clears throat> Mike has uh, been a friend. We, we counted him up for 23 years. 25. 25, 23, 25. And uh, we started uh, a long time ago when Mike was uh, getting out of school and he was in inside sales working on my team. And uh, we became friends like instantly. And we've been friends ever since. Um, we've worked uh, together, obviously. Uh, I've helped him as he's taught about his different moves in his career, time or two. And all along the way, you know, one of Mike's uh, gifts is he's really good with cars, buying, selling, fixing up cars. And he's helped me with all the cars that my family's bought or sold for the last 25 years. That's a lot of cars. Yeah, a lot. And some great ones. Crashed a few. <laughs> we have crashed a few. That's true. That's true. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, Mike, I'm glad you're here. And today we're going to talk just a little bit about your career thus far. But really the, the, the most interesting thing is where you are now, which is you've finally gone out on your own <clears throat> and started your own kind of high-end custom, not custom, but high-end car uh, a buying and selling service. Is that what you call brokerage, it? Yeah. Brokerage, yeah. <laughs> or brokerage, or brokerage. And what's it called? 5MT. 5MT. Okay, 5 Mike Thacker, because you got five five people in your family with the uh, initials MT. That's correct. That's so cool. 5MT. Um, now, which, 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 which car does Miles drive now? Miles has a Lexus. The Lexus. Now, yeah. he used to have that cool Jeep. You know, he, uh, he didn't want the Jeep. That's the one you let me borrow for a while. I did, yeah. <laughs> I did. I was using your son's car. <laughs> you were. <laughs> and so he's moved on to Alexis now. Yes. How old is he? 16. Got a band now at nice. Daniel High School. Yep, drummer. He goes to Daniel? He does. Hmm. Um, he's a drummer? Mm-hmm. And what kind of music are they playing? Uh, kind of an alternative hipster rock. Hipster rock. Anything that I would have heard, or is it all like... They have an album on Spotify now. I'll plug him. Uh Bad Delivery is the name of their band. Bad Delivery? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he knows about Bad Company. You heard that? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. God, that's a good name. I'll have to check that out, yeah. Bad Delivery. Five yeah. album EP on uh, Spotify. Okay. Or five song. <clears throat> the business I know is doing very well because you've got, you're good at it to begin with 25 years ago, but you've spent 25 years kind of doing it as a side hustle. Correct. Building up your contacts, mm -hmm. your knowledge, your bankroll, everything to be able to do that business well. And now you're finally like, let's do it. Well, confidence too. I mean, like you go from flipping Hondas to Ferraris, it changes the game. Yeah, absolutely. But you got to pay your dues. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I guess one of the great things about a side hustle is you can, you can learn the business without risking the mortgage. Yeah, but the, the, the risk a lot of people don't do is finally ripping that Band-Aid off and right. taking a leap of faith. Right. When I noticed my side bankroll was doubling, tripling my salary, I said, maybe I should take a little more. And, and a rule of thumb, and I've looked this up on a side hustle is... 2X. So, yeah, 2X. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when you're bringing in twice as much with your side hustle than your main job, then you can give it up and, uh, and not be too worried about it. Correct. That's cool. So... Let's talk about this. You obviously are in a great place now. 
but it was 25 years of patient work to get to the point where you're comfortable doing it and you're, the site also is generating the revenue already. This was not some flyer you took. <laughs> right. um, but to get there, you know, Mike <clears throat> started out and spent a lot of years selling software, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pretty sophisticated software to big businesses. And I know you did for us, you did very well. And you worked for several other companies. One of them was based in Asia. Correct. Um, Not software. That was injection mold tooling. Okay. Yeah. That sounds very difficult. It was very difficult. Um, but you got to spend some time in Asia and I understand did. that. And then you took a, you did take a flyer and you, you, you switched and went to high-end real estate sales at some resorts down in Mexico. Yes. Tulum? Uh, no, it was Playa del Carmen. Playa del Carmen. That's uh, Carmen by the Sea. Correct. I'm not mistaken. <laughs> right. I've been on my Duolingo. Riviera Maya was the fancy way they called it. Riviera Maya. Okay. Um, but, you know, in that role, in that, everything that you've done so far, you've learned something. <clears throat> in the software business, I mean, what, what would you say is the big takeaway from your software sales education? Uh, solution selling was the biggest takeaway, I think. Just understanding um, there's more than just the software. It's the problem it's solving. Um, and having that tool that gets them to their end goal, um, understanding their needs before you just throw a solution in front of their face. Yeah. Um, I think that's one challenge a lot of people have early in their careers. Just, I want to sell, 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 but take the patience to actually like understand their needs, do a needs assessment. And then you'll get a reference out of that account more so than just a, you know, a deal. I think it's a great lesson. Of course, it took me a while to learn it too, because we all just, you know, we kind of came out of sports and we wanted to win the deal and get them to sign and all that. And you really got to back up and say, what is it that they want to accomplish? Correct. And if they know that you heard them and you understand that, you're about halfway to a close. Because most people don't listen. The old classic, based on what I heard. Based on what I heard. Yeah. Based on what you told me. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's a very important lesson. Now, what did you learn working for the company based in Asia? Um, so I'll tell you the biggest thing I learned working in Asia was uh, just because you're a good salesman and you're cocky doesn't mean you can sell. Uh-huh. Um, that was a very technical sale. Yeah. Um, and it took me a long time to understand the mechanics and mold flow of an injection mold tool product. Um, we were doing, you know, minimal sales to local companies, but I've always kind of been an elephant hunter and, um, ended up getting Whirlpool, GE, Husqvarna, still who makes chainsaws, leaf blowers once I understood. Mm -hmm. And then we grew that company 10 X where we started and ended up selling it off. Hmm. Um, had an equity piece in that and it was kind of a game changer. So how did you get that equity piece? Um, it was something that, uh, I negotiated in my entry to the organization is, um, if I'm going to be part of this, um, I need a piece of it basically. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I think that's, that may have been something you taught me a lot. (laughs) Well, I never had to teach you to ask for what you wanted. You're particularly good at that, but it's, uh, you know, I think it's everyone's dream that goes into sales. I mean, you're in sales, um, for, for some degree to make money. Right. I mean, that's why we're in sales. Um, instead of like traffic cops or something, right. you know, I mean, we're trying to make money, but to try to get a piece of the pie. Of course. And once you get a piece of the pie, you want a bigger piece, and pretty soon you're going to be able to have the whole pie. Correct. And that's kind of where you are now. Yeah. 
So from there, you went to, we talked about Mexico. Like, what did you learn in Mexico? Mexico was prior to Asia. Um, but yeah, Asia, when I was in Mexico, it was, um, you know, luxury real estate. Yeah. Um, it's like a third home, fourth home kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know, we were three to $13 million properties. And uh, these are the folks that, you know, it's it's a want more than a need. They just wanted to have it. Mm-hmm. And it was fortunately before the market, you know, went in the crapper. Mm-hmm. Um, so my timing was impeccable uh, getting out when I did, but it was a, it was a great run. I, I enjoyed, I learned a lot. Um, leap of faith to take that jump over to the Caribbean for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but it made moving over to Asia. Um, I was really going back and forth, um, three weeks back, mm-hmm. two weeks, one week back, four weeks. I mean, I was back and forth. I had an apartment there in Shenzhen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was easier to make that transition. You know, I'll encourage any young person in their career if they have the opportunity to live overseas. It's uh, it's it really makes you not only appreciate um, what you have here stateside, but also when you're negotiating deals, understanding culturally how things work. I mean, so many things are done in Asia. To actually be able to say I was boots on the ground in Asia mm-hmm. negotiating deals, you get a respect factor that you don't get from mm-hmm. just, you know. Joe Book. Hey, I've read about these deals they do yeah. in, in yeah. Asia, but yeah. Um, yeah, I've, you know, fortunately gotten to work with lots of salespeople, and the ones that have that experience where they've relocated overseas, yeah. they're just different. Yeah. They're, 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 they're kind of easier to promote, certainly easier to send to another country. Yeah. Um, you just kind of feel like they've seen more. And so, you know, we, we recommend to the Noob School we recommend that that, that that people take a year off before college or at the end of college or whatever and go all the way around the world. You so, did that with all your kids, right? Yeah, all my kids. Yeah. And I, I've done it several times. Yeah. I mean, you need to see it all. Yeah. And you can't learn that. No, they can't read it. You can't YouTube sure. it. I mean, you got you got to see it. Um, let's do it, Mike. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> you, you, got a, you got a computer you can take with you. You, know, yeah, you can flip that thing open. Listen, one of the biggest deals I closed was... Uh, in, in another country, I, really? I can do my job anywhere now, yeah. which is kind of nice. I what was the biggest car deal you've closed recently? Six point two million. Six point two million. A La Ferrari Aperta, one of seventy in the world. A La what? Ferrari. L A F. A La Ferrari. La Ferrari Aperta. And it's one of seventy in the world. What color is it? Yellow. This one was yellow. yellow. Yeah. And so, how did you how did you get that lead? So I, um, as you know, I've been kind of known as the got a guy. Yeah, you got a guy. And uh, you know a lot of people. And uh, just through years of relationships and knowing people, and uh, for whatever reason, people enjoy talking to me, and sometimes divulging information, things they have that they may not tell everyone. And I get these weird requests for certain cars, um, you know, old Ferraris and new Ferraris, and. Anyway, this guy was like, hey, I'm looking for this particular Ferrari, and it's it's a very hard car to find. And they're anticipating in the next five years it'll be worth like $8 million. So um, to find one is a task in itself, but um, to know someone who has two is unheard of. So um, one had 315 miles, the other one had 187 miles. Oh, my gosh. And um, both yellow. Um, one was literally... I, I, if we have an opportunity to show the screen, um, I can show you the picture of it was in his 
dining room. Like it was a piece of art. Really? Underneath a chandelier. Absolutely wow. breathtaking. And um, it was off market. And that's another big thing is people want cars that aren't advertised when they're that level mm-hmm. of net worth. Um, you know, because it's, it's almost like the, uh, the line outside of the club that nobody's in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the mm-hmm. allure of getting something that no one can get. And uh, it was one of the quickest deals I ever did. And it's, it's interesting. Like, you think about some of the big deals. The bigger ones are easier to close. Mm-hmm. Like, I've worked harder on a Honda Civic than I did on a yeah. $6 million car. Yeah. And um, negotiated everything with the, you know, the owner, the buyer. Um, very clean deal. But uh, it just happened recently. And it was mind so blowing. The, so yeah. the final sales price was seven point no six point six point two million. Six point two. And can you share with us what the opening offer was? Um, he, he wanted to pay six. He wanted to ask six four. The other guy wanted to pay five nine, and they agreed. Well, that's pretty close. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. Well, congratulations. Yeah, so that's good. a pretty strong deal. Yeah, wasn't too bad. That's nice. But then, oddly enough, I get up. A question for a $10 million car after that, but have not been able to find that car. So we'll see what shakes out. But don't stop looking. No, I'm not. (laughs) Don't stop looking. So I would say for a lot of our listeners, they they would like to be successful at sales. They would like to enjoy what they do. And they'd like to eventually have you know, their, their career kind of in their own hands. Mm-hmm. Cause I know you like just about everyone, there was times when you were frustrated with your management and of course asking for TPS reports and mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Not when you work for me. I don't no, think. Of course not. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> I was too lazy to be a hard ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Let's do what you want. Let's make your long as I, life was a lot easier if I just hit my number. Well, that, that kind of is a, a, a beacon for everyone. Yeah. If you, if you make your number, you're probably going to be okay. You get forgiven. Yeah. Because what does the sales manager want? Talk about what people want. What does the manager want? I mean, you want to not have to worry about what the person Yeah. Doing. I mean, you yeah. want to do as little work as possible. Right. And have the average of your salespeople be the quota so you'll hit your number. Yeah. It's a lot easier to manage people that are just doing their job. Yeah. Yeah. So that means, um, we're switching subjects now, but that means recruiting for a sales manager it's your. It's probably your most important job. Yeah. There's. A, you, know, you can do what you can do. You can do training and coaching and one on ones and all that stuff later. But if you got the wrong person, it's just not going to work. Yeah. It, my la- my last job before I hung it up, I was a, a leader of a you know the southeast, and um, my number one guy was like a mirror image of me at that age. Like, you know, <laughs> just crushed it. Like. Did not want to be bothered and, and made it very clear not that he didn't want to be bothered and uh, did not want to be micromanaged at all. But I didn't. I, you know, I, I love managing him because he <laughs> over-delivered every month. Yeah, that's good. So you got your own business now. Um, and, you know, there was times in the past when you didn't like the process they were making you do in terms of call reports and things like that. Here's a question for you. What's your process now, now that you're the boss? So I have to keep track of everything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's not always been my strong suit. Um, I, I have it all here, but now I have to really keep track of it. Like now it went from, when it goes from side hustle to main hustle, um, the game changes. So you have to really keep track of what you're spending, um, where cars are. I mean, I've got 10 in play right now and they're scattered all over the place. So mm-hmm. now it's gotten to a point where I'm like, hey, I, I need to get a warehouse. I don't have cars. So you have 10 that you own or control. Yeah. 
But I have learned this in talking with you in the past. You don't, they're not all sitting at your house. They're like, no. you buy one in Indianapolis, you might just leave it there. Right. I bought a 57 Corvette the other day in Iowa. Um, 2,000 mile car, absolutely stunning. And uh, it's going to Dubai. I've already got it sold, but it'll sit there. I'm not going to, there's no reason to move it. It's in a climate control warehouse. Um, I acquired it for the guy and it's going to get on a boat in the next month or so. So when you go to Dubai, do you wear like a... Oh, full, full gear. You wear the gear? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You need to. You need to. I have. I did when I did an African, or not African, uh, uh, desert safari. I wore the whole. Okay. Gear. Just thinking when you're dealing with them over there, the, the American businessmen wear American clothes, and yeah, I mean, listen, you know, I haven't been over there. I don't know. You got it. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I skipped that on my worldwide tour. Do you wear a yarmulke like when you go? No. Exactly. So you just got it. It's a respect thing. Um. So we've already talked about your training in sales. It sounds like your favorite training was solution selling. I love solution selling. Yeah. yeah. And, there, there's and Bill Garcia stuff. I mean, I, I still use that. The the one for 10 is is one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. So that what he's talking about is tableforce.com. Is it yeah. tableforce.com? Yeah. Bill Garcia. He's got some great practical training, particularly around negotiations. Um, and Bill will teach you to negotiate, you know, not just like when we're negotiating a contract, obviously, but like getting the appointment, getting past the uh, gatekeeper. He know. and I really clicked from day one. Yeah. Like he he liked me, I liked him, and yeah. we you know stayed in touch over the years. Yeah. I'll never forget. I felt so stupid. I was you know I was in charge of the damn thing, and we had Garcia in there to teach all of us. And he gives me a little piece of paper and says, "Okay, your job. You got six minutes to sell Francois this boat. You know, little thing, whatever." And we got to the end. He goes, "Okay, John, did you sell the boat?" And I'm like. No, we ran out of time. And Bill goes, why didn't you ask for more time? Right? Yeah. I mean, it was a great message yeah. for me. Look, just, I just felt like, well, that was what he said, so that's, right. no, you ask. I need more time. Yeah. So, anyway, you, you wouldn't have fallen for that one. Um, I'd have sold the damn boat. <laughs> you sold the boat, of course you did. Um. Who else do you do follow in sales? I know Garcia. I know what Gar- solution selling is Bosworth's, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else you I mean, follow? Ziegler. Ziegler is always yeah. a good one. Yeah. Um, you know, the book we just talked about with the, um, what's the name of that book? Oh, oh, oh Re- Scott Adams. Yeah, Reframe yeah. Your Brain. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this one yeah. on another day. Yeah, exactly. A couple of days ago. Yeah, but it's a great book for, uh, for attitude adjustment, Correct. I would say. Yeah, people, a lot of these... Folks, I mean, the noob school. I love that. Of the, course, the noob school. Yeah. Of course. Well, you get to see a lot of your old friends on the it's, podcast, it's really too. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm, a, I'm a retread. I'm second time here now. I know. Has anyone been... I don't think anyone's been three. I don't know. Maybe Pace. Has Pace uh, been three? I don't think so. He will be. He'll yeah. Be, he'll be three. Um, yeah, I think Ziegler's a good one, Mike. I mean, I, I tell folks, you know... I wouldn't recommend they go read like a whole Ziegler book. I mean, no one really is reading big, big hard books anymore. Most people aren't. But you could just say to Siri, you could just say, Siri, yeah. play Zig Ziegler. And there he is. Yeah, that's wild. You know, and you just hear these they're little snippets and they just they just fire you up. Yeah. He's the best. Yeah. One, and just, you know, the old check your grip, you know, like just keep keep getting yourself educated. There's a little. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things I've loved staying in touch with you because every it, we may talk about nothing, but I, I come away with something. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah, I don't I know. It was something. It was something. So I'll give you my Ziegler story. <clears throat> so 
he was so famous back in the day, you know, he would travel the country selling out arenas. You'd pay like a hundred bucks to go listen right. to him. So this was the old Memorial Auditorium, oh, yeah. jam-packed with 5,000 right. people, me being one of them. And during the talk, he said, I can't wait to get back back to the airport. I got to hustle to the airport right when this is over to get on that airplane and go back and see the redhead back in Dallas. I can't wait. Right. All, so it's over. I go up there, shake his hand, and said, Zig. He goes, yeah, yes, sir. I said, my car is real close to the auditorium if you'd like. We can just jump in my car. I'll zoom you right out there. You can get on that. Right. And he's like, I appreciate that, but they already got a town car waiting for me. And she's right out there, but I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I'm like, fine. So literally, I'm literally driving this old Saab. Now, you didn't sell this to me. This is before Mike. <laughs> right. I'm driving I didn't sell you a Saab. <laughs> I'm driving this old Saab home, and it breaks down. And it is so old that people said, you probably just, it's, there's no need to even fix it. Right. So it was gone. And so I wrote him a letter. And I said, you know, it's funny that that day, whatever, he wrote me a letter back. No kidding. He just said, funny how things turn out for the best, and thank you so much anyway. I mean, he just, wow. if you do enough of those small, little thoughtful things like he does yeah. or did, it adds up to millions of people. Absolutely. That he touched like that. That's a small thing, but. I mean, it, meant, it meant something. It resonated. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah, the Zig's the man. Um, now. One thing I got a bone to pick with you on. Okay, go ahead. It's a social media thing of yours. Okay. I don't understand why someone who's doing this high end car uh, thing, brokerage, wouldn't be showing off, you know, showing off your stuff. Okay, I'll tell you why. Okay. You have a theory. I do, I okay. do. And I, and I see it happen daily on people who are selling this stuff. If you get an opportunity to go on any of the forums or any of the um, groups of people selling Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Porsches, there are so many haters who are just going to destroy your car and talk. So if you say, I'm selling a 57 Corvette for $18,000, they'll say, that's not worth that, that, that kind of thing. I mean, if you can find one for eighteen, dollars well, you know what I'm saying? I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. No, it's just like people, people are just such keyboard warriors and they like just... They can't afford the gas in the car, much less the car itself, and they just sit there and talk trash. I, the people who want to find me will find me, and you know I may change my mindset. I may hire someone to handle my social media, but for now, I don't. I don't need it. You're doing uh, where Stacker on Thursday? Right? I do love that. It's taken off. Is that that's on Facebook? Uh, it's LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay. He does have. You, know, you can find Mike. I know it's going to be tough, but you can find Mike Michael J Thacker right on yep. LinkedIn. Yeah. And he's got something called Where in the World is Mike on Thursday. Where's Thacker Thursday? Where's Thacker Thursday? WTT. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, he's usually somewhere around cars, somewhere interesting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I, was, I was in Charleston this week, and I didn't post. But uh, I had a good time down there with some of now, my friends. Now, what about these auto uh, auctions? Are they good businesses? It used to be, but there's so many, like, guys who have kind of jumped on that scene. Um, I, I'm... I have people that I pay to find stuff for me now. Mm -hmm. um, cars and garages. I just found an unbelievable restored Porsche the other day um, that I'm picking up. That you just don't off market cars are where it's at. The mm -hmm. stuff that's going through the auction is probably going for a reason because it's got a problem. Mm. So just run it through. Yeah, get what you can. Hey old, hey old. Okay. Um, so to get in touch with Mike, LinkedIn's the way to do it. 
Uh, let's go about a couple more things, Mike. What is your favorite book? Uh, you know, of course, the Bible. Is it the Bible? <laughs> no, it's you know, uh, Bible's obviously a great book, but the uh, Rhinoceros Success, the one that uh, I got from you, yeah. I love that book. So it's called Rhinoceros Success, and it's kind of half cartoon, yeah. half whatever. And it's all about being a, a rhino, of course, versus being a cow. Correct. And we want to be rhinos. Absolutely. Yeah. We want to charge. Yeah. It's. Oh. I mean, that book. You can look at some people in life. I mean, Bach being one of them. Yeah. Life changer. Yeah. Like people. He's got a tattoo of the rhino. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So, and it's very quick read, easy to read. Keep it on your desk, but uh, definitely recommend Rhino Success. Um, but one of my my favorite pieces of rhinoceros success is you know the rhino charges through the jungle, and he expects to get nicked mm -hmm. by some thorns, mm -hmm. and he doesn't worry about it. No. He's like, I've got thick skin, and I'm a rhino, and I'm going to get nicked, and I'm just going to keep going. Instead of like stopping and crying and putting on a Band-Aid and all that stuff. So charging. there's a lot of that stuff in there that are uh, good good messaging. So I'm glad. That's good. Favorite band? Oh, man. Tough one. You know, I'm a big Floyd guy, believe it or not. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I remember when, uh, when they came here a long time ago. Clemson, 1994. 94, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Division so, Bell. Yeah, it was flying over. Uh, I remember. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I was at that show. I bet you were. Favorite word? Wire. Wire transfer. That's right. <laughs> Money's coming in. Yeah, so wire is your word now that you're, you're collecting money from Dubai and places like mm -hmm. that. Wire First citizen says it's real, and you're like, yeah, hell, okay. Um, anything else you want to promote today? Um, you know, my Airbnb business as well oh. has kind of taken off. Um, what started as a uh, secondary home has turned into uh, the number one Airbnb in Greenville. Uh, and then I have a place at the lake as well. Um, so the Airbnb... Um, downtown Greenville. Downtown, the one I've, I've been to. Mm -hmm. That's the number one? Last five years, number wow. one Airbnb in Greenville. Now, is that just by by what by what measure? Um Utilization? Re reviews, and okay. uh, there's an award that goes out to Best Airbnb. Yeah, it's that's been a, a great couple, spot. It's been in a couple of publications. Yeah, I remember you gave me the tour over there. It's very nice. It's very near, uh, it's very it's like right downtown, kind of in between downtown and the Point Sector. East Washington, yeah. 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 Very cool. All right, well, they can you can find uh, more about that from Mike at LinkedIn also because you won't have social mm -hmm. media. I'm going to be the last guy. The last holdout. Well, Mike... Thanks for coming back and sharing uh, that information with us. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, have to come back and give us an update. And maybe let me drive that fancy car next time. Okay, for sure. All right. Thank you, man. Absolutely. All Thank right. you. Thank you, buddy. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you.